turn, if you would, this evening to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation that Brother Randy just sang about, that day that you did reach down and touch us, that you saved us. We thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd uh, be with us now in these next few moments, that we would give our attention to your word. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this evening, I think most of us know that a few months ago in our study of Hebrews, we watched as the writer acknowledged that the believers there uh, that he was writing to, they were going through difficult times. He was going through difficult, they were going through difficult days. And as a result of that, he transitioned into Hebrews chapter 11 and gave them many examples of men and women who had lived by faith and what they had endured and what they had gone through. And so then as we came into chapter 12, we watched as he tried to encourage them and to challenge them to stay faithful to the race and to persevere and to run with patience, even though it would be difficult, even though it would be challenging. He said, just continue to run this race that is before us. And then after that, he uh, said what you need to do is you need to fix your eyes and your attention and your focus on Jesus as the perfect example of faithfulness and obedience. And so all that, if we've paid attention, if we've applied it to our lives, it's been a help, that has been an encouragement to us. And then last week we looked in verse number 4 where the simple statement was made, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And so what seemed to be the indication was this, is that in their affliction in their time of distress, whatever we'd like to call it, whatever we'd like to refer to it as. Uh, as difficult as it was, the writer reminded them, hey, listen, it's not yet cost you any blood. And so last week, I, I tried to remind us that sometimes in our Christian lives, we get a bit dramatic. And sometimes we begin to think we're enduring so much and we're having to put up with so much. And, and while that could be a time of testing while it could be a season of difficulty uh, we do need to be reminded from time to time that really it's not requiring a whole lot of us comparatively speaking to follow the Lord and to be faithful uh, it's not yet cost us our blood it's certainly not cost anyone their lives uh, we've got it pretty easy we've got it pretty good and if we would remember that and keep things in perspective then certainly that helps us to continue to run with patience, does it not, the race that was set before us? All right, so we just need to remember, focus your eyes on Jesus, just keep racing, just keep running, and remember it hasn't been as bad for us as it's been for so many others in the past. That in mind, tonight I want to talk to us about something for just a moment that is very much a current event. Most of you are aware of this. I've heard some of you talk about it. I have discussed it with some uh, in the church even this week. But earlier this week, some of you know that a comedian by the name of Kathy Griffin decided to do a, a photo shoot, right? Are you familiar with this? Most of us are, okay. And in this photo shoot, uh, I guess she decided that it would be funny to take some photos with a prop, the prop which included what was supposed to be the beheaded head of President Trump. And you know that it was a very gory-looking photo. It was a very inappropriate photo. And in doing this, her true colors were revealed and her true character and nature was revealed. 
So as you consider that and as you are mindful of that, you've probably heard by now, if you've stayed, you know, in tune with the media, that there was some fallout related to her photo shoot that was not really a positive kind of fallout for Kathy Griffin. So if you've paid attention, you know that she was fired from her gig with CNN, whatever that consisted of. And then as this has progressed throughout the week, she was fired by a company that was using her as a spokesperson and then some other things that uh, she was involved in. She's been asked to no longer be involved, all right? So as of this afternoon, I, I read an article just in relation to all this that said she is now completely officially unemployed. Good for her, right? Okay. So all that being said, you're probably also aware of this, that she held a press conference Thursday, I believe it was, with her attorney. Now, I didn't watch all of it because I couldn't stomach it. But I went back and I watched highlights of it. And in the highlights of this press conference that she addressed the media in, here's what you know if you've watched any of the highlights at all. She spoke of how she was being bullied by the first family. Right? Okay, if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, go home, get on the Internet, look at YouTube, and you can get caught up on all this in a matter of a few minutes, all right? So she began to talk about how she was being bullied by the first family, and then she talked about how the president has broke her and ruined her career, and as she's going through all this, she begins to cry and she begins to get emotional, and here's what she does. She tries to tell the media and thus convince the national population, the national audience, whoever would care about her. She tried to convince us that in all of this, she is the victim. Never mind, she's the one who chose to pose with the prop of the severed head of the president Never mind, she's the one who put it out there because she thought it would be well received by many in the, in the nation. I mean, never mind that she's the one who was responsible for all this. She wanted to play the part and try to convince us that she is the one who is the victim. Thankfully, for the most part, our nation has seen right through that. And they have reminded her, honey, you're not the victim in this. If you want to know who is at fault, if you want to know who is responsible for this, just go look in the mirror, and as you look at yourself, you know who is responsible for every bit of this. No one forced you to do the photo shoot. No one forced you to use the prop that you used in the photo shoot. No one forced you to release the images of this photo shoot. Kathy, you are not the victim in this. You have done every bit of this yourself, and you have brought all of this on yourself. Now, I know Kathy's not watching our live stream right now, but if she was, I would say to her, Kathy, this is your fault not anybody else's. Now, that in mind, 
We're going to come back to that principle in just a couple of moments. Let me just say this, that tonight's message is going to somewhat overlap with my Sunday school lesson this morning. And for those who have sat in the Sunday school lesson this morning or the class, I apologize for the overlap, but not really, okay? It's a needed, needed reminder for every one of us. So keep in mind the context of where we're at in Hebrews chapter 12, because context is highly important, isn't it? All right, so keep in mind the context that the believing Jews, they are dealing with affliction, and they are dealing with difficult times, and they are dealing with difficult days, and the writer is not denying any of that. Keep that in mind. He is fully acknowledging this truth that what they were going through, it was difficult, it was not enjoyable, and in the midst of this, keep your eyes on Jesus. But as the passage is going to continue, here's what we're going to see in the next few weeks. The writer is going to begin addressing some truths that probably were not, for lack of better words, well received by everyone. But that's okay, isn't it? Well, why is that okay? for a writer to write something that was probably not well received by everyone. Because here's what we know. Sometimes if you're really going to help someone, you need to tell them some things they may not really want to hear. Well, I don't like that. Well, I'm sure you don't, and I fully understand. But if I'm going to help you, then I've got to be honest with you. And if I'm going to be honest with you, then we have to address this in the midst of the bigger picture. And, and if you've ever been in a situation where you've had to tell some people some things they didn't want to hear, you know that it's not fun, you know that it's not enjoyable, but you know it has to be done. And certainly there have been times that people have gone ahead and said to us some things that we didn't want to hear, but when we finally got over the emotional response to it, if we were honest, we knew we needed to hear it. Right? Okay, so let's keep all this in mind. Let's keep all this in, in the forefront uh, of, of what's going on. Uh, we've got the Jews who are going through some difficult times. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Just stay faithful. Now remember, let's take it easy on the drama. Uh, it hadn't cost you any bloodshed yet. And then notice what he says in verse number 5. He said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. So the writer in verse number 5 speaks of an exhortation. Well, what is an exhortation? An exhortation would be some kind of instruction, uh, some kind of learning material. All right, so at some point, these believing Jews, they had been introduced, some, introduced to some information, some truths, some, some teachings that they would have needed. And, and he said it had to do with, like, the relationship of children. And we'll see throughout the, the next couple of weeks that he's talking about the relationship of a child with a parent. But he says, here's what you've done with that exhortation that was spoken unto you as it related unto children. He says, you've forgotten this. So what does it mean whenever he says you have forgotten this? It means what it's meant every other time, really, that we've talked about this. It's not that they had totally forgot about it and had, had you know, no recall of it, but they were living in such a way as though they weren't really mindful of it. 
Okay, so, so it's not as though they had to be retaught as much as they needed to be reminded. But he said, you have forgotten, you have lost sight of this, you are no longer living in light of these truths, these teachings or the instructions that you've been given, the exhortation. So what is the exhortation and what is the instruction that they had forgotten? Well, notice he said in verse number 5, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So as we begin to look in verses 5 and 6, here is what we see is going to be the theme and the subject of conversation now for the next few verses, and that being the chastisement or the chastening of the Lord in a believer's life. You're aware of this, right? See, I did some studying on this word chastening or chastisement, uh, uh, the different forms in which this word is used. And, and, and I was admittedly somewhat surprised that, that this word can at times include a challenge, so to speak, given to a child. And we understand that if we've got children of our own, don't we? Sometimes we challenge them and sometimes we test them because we're trying to make them a better individual. We're trying to bring them to the next level. We're trying to, to harden them up a little bit, to not be so soft. And so we're trying to show them through certain challenges and through certain you know, processes, listen, you can accomplish more, you can do more, you can be more. But more times than not, whenever you and I hear the word chastening or chastisement, uh, things of that nature, here's what we generally think of. We generally think of correction or discipline or punishment. So in this passage, which one is the writer referring to? Well, it becomes very clear very quickly that he's not talking about just a challenge that he allows them to go through to make them better. He is actually dealing with the subject of correction or discipline or punishment. So the writer says to the believers to whom he is addressing, he said, now listen, you have forgot some instructions and you have forgotten some teachings that you had been given in the past. So he says in verse number 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth, or he floggeth, every son whom he receiveth. And so here is what the writer says. He said, you have got to be reminded, and you need to hear this again, that because of the Lord's love for his children, because of the Lord's love for his sons and his daughters, here is what he is going to do. He will chasten those who are his own, and you and I understand this, that the only reason we punish and discipline and correct our children is because they have done something wrong. You and I, if we're decent parents at all, we do not punish our children for doing exactly what we've told them to do. The only reason that we would punish, the only reason that we would discipline, or the only reason that we would correct is this, is because they have been given a set of instructions, they have been given a, a set of directives or a set of orders, and, and, and we've given them some direction and we want them to do this. And if they don't follow through with what we've told them to do, then there's going to be some kind of punishment. And the longer they choose not to do what we've told them to do, the more frequent that becomes that is going to turn up the correction, or it should turn up the correction and the discipline and the punishment that we use to try to get their attention. 
you don't just drop the hammer the very first time. But if this is a recurring problem, if this is a recurring issue where I've told you this over and over and over again, uh, we're going to go from chastening to scourging, son. And it's not because I'm angry with you, and it's not because I don't love you, it's because I do love you, and I want you to learn and to correct your behavior and, and learn some submission and yielding and, and obedience. So the writer says, you've forgotten this, and you need to be reminded of it, that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now as we read these words, and we understand what the writer is saying, that the Lord punishes and disciplines and corrects those that he loves, and it can eventually turn into scourging, if it's not ever addressed in the child of God's life. As we read those words, I don't know about you, but I had to ask this question. Why is this in this portion of Scripture? Why is this subject matter right here? I had to ask that question. You may not have to ask that question. You may not even care about answering the question. But I had to answer or ask the question, why do you acknowledge the difficult times in chapter 10, show all the examples of men and women of faith in chapter 11, in verse number, or chapter 12, in, in chapter 12, you begin to encourage people to just run with patience the race that's set before them. You have said, fix your eyes on Jesus. Now listen, it's really not as bad as you might think it is. So now let's talk about chastisement. I mean, doesn't that seem like an odd transition? It does seem like an odd transition unless you allow for this fact. That what the writer seems to be implying is this. Is that some of the difficulties and hard times that they were experiencing may not just be because of the big, bad, cruel world they're a part of. But some of their difficulties and some of their hard days and, and some of the trials that they were facing and some of the challenges that they were going through, it seems to suggest by just the overall flow of this, and as we'll deal with this in the next few weeks, it seems to suggest that what the writer is trying to get them to think about is this, is did it ever cross your mind that some of what you're going through is not because you're the victim, but because you have brought about some of this in your own life? Because of your own actions? Now, obviously, I wasn't present 2,000 years ago. To suggest that would be hyperbole. Okay. Just going to throw that in because we like the word now, okay? I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, but here's what I've detected human nature is human nature. I was visiting with someone the other day, and we were talking about ministry, and we were talking about things, and, and I know this, so it's not like I was surprised by the conversation I was having, but, but the reality is this, it doesn't matter where you go, people are people. 
I, I was visiting with a young man several weeks ago, and I said, hey, listen, I said, he, he was trying to transition into the pastorate position, and I was talking to him, and I said, listen, you need to understand something. There aren't just a lot of real good churches that are open right now looking for pastors. And I was trying to convey to him this truth. Okay, listen, if there's a really dynamic church out there, they've already got a pastor, okay? I was trying to show them or him the consistency of human nature that every church has its flaws, every church has its issues. There's not a perfect church, not even ours. All right. So I, I was trying to show him, hey, listen, people are people. And if you want to pursue this one, feel free. But just know you're going to have problems. You're going to have issues there. I mean, it's just the nature of working with people. Now, I say all that to say this. I wasn't there 2,000 years ago when the letter was written, when the letter was delivered, and people began to read through, read through this. But I just have to suppose in my mind that whenever the writer began to say, hey, listen, you've forgotten something. And you need to be reminded that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And he begins to kind of bring to mind the idea that, did you know some of this affliction could be your fault? Some of this affliction could be brought about because of your own disobedience. Some of these difficult days could be because you haven't really been as yielded to the Lord as you'd like to think that you are. I just have to believe that there were some in that room or in their midst who kind of went all Kathy Griffin on him. It's not my fault. This is not my problem. I'm not the one who started this. I've just been serving the Lord. I've just been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I don't do anything wrong. Because people in their day had the same tendencies of people in our day. Whenever things began to go rough, whenever times began to get hard, here is what more times than not people began to assume. People began to assume that it couldn't be because of anything they've done. They must be the victim of someone else. Now tonight, because we're all friends, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, I, I said that you know, tongue-in-cheek, we're, we're all friends, right? I think we're all friends. We're at least all good with each other. Okay, because we're all friends, I want to be careful in how I say this. But if we're honest, wouldn't you and I have to admit that sometimes there's a little bit of Kathy seen in us? You know, I mean, difficult days are happening and hard times are taking place and, and things are happening and, and, and as things are beginning to really fall apart and I'm just really going through it and, and life's so hard right now, many times what do we fall into? We fall into this mentality many times like so many others where we must be the victim because surely, just surely, this could not be our fault. Can I remind us? Not all the time, but many times, at least a portion of what we're dealing with is nothing more or less than you and I having to deal with the consequences of the chastisement of the Lord because we're really not as perfect as we think we are. 
so this is happening or this is happening, this is taking place, whatever it may be. And if we're not careful, we're the ones who start tearing up and we start you know, talking about how we're just being broken and the world just trying to trample us and the world just trying to destroy us and Satan's just attacking me and Satan's doing this and it's just terrible and it's just awful. Is it possible? Is it possible? And I'll go ahead and answer it. Yes, it is possible. Is it possible that some of what we're dealing with is because of what we have created for ourselves? And we don't like to admit that. So this evening, just by way of introduction to the rest of the message, I I want us to be reminded that sometimes, just like it's implied in the Scripture, sometimes what you and I are dealing with and what you and I are going through is the result of God trying to get our attention because somewhere at some point we have gotten off track and he is trying to chasten us, correct us, discipline us, punish us just enough to get us back to where we need to be. But we need to remember this. If we don't take the gentle nudges and the gentle reminders, he can step it up to the next level. He's not afraid to, and he's not opposed to doing it. It's not that he wants to, but because he loves us, he's not going to let us get by with our sin forever. He's just not going to. So for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So now I want us to look at the rest of the passage because this is very important, okay? In verse number 5 he said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. So, so what is the writer saying to these believers in the midst of their difficulties who it could be the result of the chastisement of the Lord? He said, first of all, despise not the chastening. Despise not. What what does it mean to despise not? It means do not despise the chastening of the Lord. So what does it mean to despise? Well, here's one idea of the word despise that we ought to give some consideration to, and that would be this, to become dismissive or to make light of something. To become dismissive or to make light of something. I don't know, okay? I I do not know what these people were like exactly. So again, I'm just going to draw from my own experience and my own personal testimony. I'm just going to ask you this this evening. Have there ever been times that God was trying to get our attention and we were dismissive of the chastisement that he was beginning to execute in our lives? You know, the Holy Spirit was very clear. Trying to get your attention, Kyle. I'm trying to get your attention, believer, fill in the blank, that being you. I'm trying to get your attention, but has there ever been moments, have there ever been occasions in your life where you just convinced yourself, no, that's not chastisement, that's just something else. Why would you and I ever dismiss the chastisement of the Lord? Well, here's one of the leading factors, I think, or leading causes in doing this. It's because, again, we don't want to believe that we could do anything wrong. 
We're telling ourselves we're okay. We're telling ourselves that everything's fine. We're telling ourselves that, that what it is, it's no big deal. It's not really that important. It's not anything to really make an issue of. So somewhere between Father, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, and that being you know relayed to us, somehow there was some confusion. So, so that's not really what it means, and that's not really chastisement. No, you and I know when the Holy Spirit is trying to speak and trying to get a hold of our hearts. And, and the only reason that we don't respond to it more times and not as quickly as we ought is because we're wanting to dismiss it because we don't want to change anything right now. The writer says, You've forgotten the exhortation, the teaching, which speaketh unto you. So he says, My son, despise not the chastening. This is what you were taught. This is what you were told. This is how you were instructed. Do not dismiss and make light of the chastisement of God. But the word despise also means this. To have a feeling of contempt towards something. When a person has contempt towards something, there's usually strong negative feelings and emotions associated with it. Would you agree? Many times there's anger. Many times there's a defiant spirit. Many times there's, there's just an attitude and a spirit that would not be healthy or, or wholesome or helpful at all. Just ask yourself a, a very innocent question, but one that needs to be asked. Has the Holy Spirit ever convicted has the Holy Spirit ever said, hey, listen, you need to stop this. Hey, you need to correct this. Hey, you need to change this. You need to stop this. You need to start this. Has the Holy Spirit ever done that and you just dismissed it? Okay, it's happened to all of us, right? Well, as the Spirit of God continues to work in our lives and as the chastisement of God continues to increase in our lives, again, just be honest with yourself before God. Have there ever been times that you got mad at God for disciplining you? No, Brother Kyle. Why, shucks, I'm just always thankful. That's not true, is it? Have you ever seen a child who was extremely loved by his parents get in trouble for something, and the child did not turn around immediately, run and embrace the parent and say, thank you for loving me enough to spank me? Sometimes kids get angry in the midst of being punished, don't they? Okay, well, as children of God, I don't know if I said that right. I think I did. But, but sometimes as children of God, here's what happens. The Lord says, I'm going to try to get your attention. We say no, so he spanks us. He said, now do I have your attention? Nope, I'm dismissing it. I'm not going to take it serious. I'm going to make light of it. Okay, I'm going to spank you again. And pretty soon the, the spanking turns into a scourging. And rather than us changing and modifying our lives and getting things squared away, we get angry with God. If you don't think it happens, just pay attention. People get angry because God is not going to let them get by with their sin forever. Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. I'll just admit to you tonight that there have been times I've gotten an attitude with my Heavenly Father 
because I did not want to give up what I was engaged in. I wanted to hold on to it. I wanted to continue practicing it. I wanted to, to, to maintain that in my life. And, and how dare you keep correcting me? Friends, that attitude never ends well for us in our relationship to the Lord. Because here's the thing. God will always win the battle one way or another. So the writer said, listen, you've forgotten this, and you need to be reminded of this, this instruction, this exhortation that you were given. Hey, son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. But notice what he said next. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. What does it mean to faint when thou art rebuked of him? Well, the idea is that of what we looked at a few weeks ago in verses 1 and 2. It's the idea of collapsing, giving up, and becoming unresponsive. Fainting. Collapsing and unresponsive. You would think that it might be a good thing to just collapse before the Lord and be okay with whatever God is trying to do. But with the right heart and the right attitude, it would be a good thing, would it not? Yeah. But see, that's not the context of verse number 5. What he has said was this, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, and do not faint when thou art rebuked of him. Do not collapse and do not become unresponsive to what the Lord is trying to do in your life. See, there, there's a pattern here. Whenever the Holy Spirit tries to speak, whenever the Father begins to try to, to work in our lives and get us back on track because we've kind of gotten off a little bit, okay? If we're not careful, here's what we'll do. We'll dismiss it and say, ah, well, you know, that wasn't really what the Holy Spirit meant. That's not really what God was trying to communicate. And as the chastisement continues, as the correction continues, and, and if we're not careful, we get this attitude of, of resentment and contempt for, for God trying to impose His will in our lives. You know what? It's it, it's true, and I've seen this so many times, if we're not careful, here's what will happen if we refuse to yield to the chastening of the Lord. We will reach the point where we just quit. And we're not even going to entertain the idea of getting right with God because we are so determined to continue living how we want to live. This evening I ask you, how many of us have ever known people and they have a testimony of salvation? And yet with that testimony of salvation, they are so far removed from what could possibly be the will of God. Now I don't know their spiritual condition. I don't know whether or not they're saved. I don't know. But I do believe this, that there are some who in the midst of their walk with God, they got off a little bit, and the Lord tried to get their attention. They said no, and it turned into a defiant spirit. It turned into a rebellious spirit. And they finally reached a point where they said, you know what, I am done with this, and I'm not going to let the Holy Spirit convict me in any manner, any shape, any form. Now, you and I don't have to be a Bible scholar to know this. That is not a good position to be in. 
but it happens. It's happened in this church. Because I promise you, you and I tonight, if we wanted to take the time and put forth the effort, you and I could go locate people tonight who have just completely given up on the idea of serving the Lord because they refused at some point in their past to even entertain the idea of being made right with God where they knew they needed to be made right with God. And tonight I just want to remind us just real quick of just a couple of simple truths and and we'll be done. The first truth is this that I want to remind us of is don't think it can't happen to us. You and I have the same spirit of rebellion in us that Kathy Griffin has in her. We can talk about her at the first of the message and we can laugh and we can shake our heads and we can talk about how ridiculous she is and and she's made herself the victim. I want to remind us, every one of us have the ability to pretend and to suppose and to, to conjure up a new set of facts for ourselves and for our benefit to where we convince ourselves we're the victim in all this. And so when the Holy Spirit begins to try to speak and the Holy Spirit begins to try to direct, rather than us just admitting and coming clean with the truth, you know what, this is my fault and it's no one else's fault, here's what we do. We begin to dismiss and make light of the correction and the chastening of the Holy Spirit. And, and then if we're not careful, we begin to get to the point where we get an attitude toward His discipline. It can happen to us. We need to be reminded of that. And if we allow that spirit to take root in our lives, and if we allow that spirit to really begin to grow and to manifest itself in our lives, I want to remind us that it could be us who one day just collapses, so to speak, and faints and says, you know what, I'm not yielding, I'm not giving in, I'm not going to change anything. And so rather than being restored, you will live in defiance to God's will for your life for as long as you want, but we've got to be reminded we'll never be happy. We will never enjoy our circumstances. We will never enjoy life. We will make our lives a living hell on earth because we refuse to submit ourselves because we're just going to just give up on the whole idea whatsoever. And knowing that you and I can be the ones who do such a thing, it ought to really challenge us tonight to just say, Lord, is there any area in my life where I'm not yielding yet? God, is there anything in my life right now you're trying to speak to me? And and I don't have to ask if you're trying to speak to me. I know you're trying to speak to me. God, is is there something in my life right now that I need to be addressing, that I need to be working on, that I need to have a better spirit toward? Is there anything in your life right now that you're being dismissive of? Because there's not one of us who has it all together. Is there anything where right now the spirit you know The Spirit has said, listen, you need to address this. No, 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 later, later, some other time. No, that's not what it means. No, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm fine. Is there anything that we're dismissing? You need to be careful because it it could turn into contempt. And then it could turn into a spirit where you just throw in the towel and say, I don't care, I'm finished, I'm not trying anymore. We need to cut it off as soon as possible. And deal with it as quickly as possible. Because we don't know where it could go. We don't know what it could lead to. And we don't know what it could cost us. All right? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer.
Father, as I come to you this evening, I pray that you'd help us tonight to take just a moment and to consider the words of the writer to these believing Jews some 2,000 years ago where he introduces the idea, it, it, it truly seems, where he introduces the idea that some of their problems could be brought about because of their own actions. And God, tonight I pray that you'd help us to admit that same truth, that there are many times that we're not the victim of the circumstances, but many times we are the creator of the circumstances we're now living in. And it's not because you didn't try to correct us along the way, it's because we dismissed it. And we just acted as though it didn't apply to us. God, would you help us tonight to allow you to show us where we may have a defiant spirit, where we may have a dismissive spirit. And Lord, that you'd help us to address whatever the issue may be. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.